Love is amazing, but it's also bullshit, and it might also get you murdered. Welcome to Love is Amazing, but it's also bullshit, it gets you murdered. The show that reminds you that the thing you probably want most in this life can lead to a violent, horrible death. So, super excited about this episode. Uh, we're talking about punk rock. Ooh. Sid and Nancy. Oh. Um, with us, so super stoked about this guest, Timothy Speed Levitch. Timothy, you want to say hello? Hello. Excellent. Hey. Super stoked to have you on. We never had a guest with a Wikipedia page before. Didn't even know I had one. You totally have one. <laughs> you totally have one. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. Timothy is a good friend of mine from, uh, we actually work together at Radio City Music Hall. A uh, big fan of yours. Uh, what we got? Waking Life. What else? Well, we can skip the abridged uh, visit with my resume, and uh, let's get on with the new myth at hand. Okay, let's do it. So, uh, we're talking about the murder of Nancy uh, Spongin. Am I even saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah, I believe you are. Spongin. Spongin. For those of you that aren't familiar with this, basically, Nancy uh, Spongin was uh, Sid Vicious's girlfriend, who basically died in 1978, and uh, Nancy was Sid Vicious's, Sid Vicious's, that's a tough one. Sid, Sid Vicious's. Sid Vicious's. <laughs> Sid Vicious's. You got Sid, this. Yeah. <laughs> she was his girlfriend, and Sid Vicious was the basis for the Sex Pistols. Uh, and the Sex Pistols were basically punk rock band from England that just, they were fucking punk rock, man. Yeah, they were punk rock to the core, man. Yes, exactly. So, why don't we talk about Sid Vicious? Yeah, yeah, quickly. let's get in it a little bit. Okay, Sid Vicious was born May 10th, 1957 at John Simon Ritchie. He was born in Lewisham to John and Anne Ritchie. His mom was a high school dropout. Her father, his father was the guard at Buckingham Palace. Those are the dudes that can't. Oh, like do the anything. beef eater guys with the big hats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. all right, all right. That's kind of cool. Yeah. There's a bunch of YouTube videos where it's like people fucking with them and they can't do anything, but then they get crazy and they'll like butt you in the head with their like with M the butt of the rifle or M14. Anything? So don't mess with those guys, especially if it's Sid Vicious's dad. <laughs> So, um, his father basically dropped out of the picture. What happened was, and Sid, or John Simon Ritchie, moved away from where they were living, and the father was supposed to meet him there. Father never met him. Never came. Just kind of like, so he didn't have a father figure. But, but couldn't he always find him because he knew where he was? Buckingham Palace? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. You would think. He didn't move too fast. Not at all. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess he uh, asked for a transfer or something because, um, or maybe Sid just didn't give his shit. So, uh, his mother, <laughs> not a very good role model. Nope. Couldn't take care of herself. Uh, she was described as a bohemian, but also a drug addict. I think these two are in interchangeable. I, I feel like when you said bohemian, it's almost like you had like quotation marks around it. Mm -hmm. Bohemian? Bohemian. Basically, uh, there's a bunch of stories about like the way she like raised Sid wasn't very nice. Like, <laughs> okay. uh, apparently, there was one story where 
Uh, she actually brought Sid to Spain when he was a little kid, and she shoved a bunch of, like, hash down his pants. And so it's the smuggle out hash from Spain, which would have been um, kind of a traumatic event, especially I, if it was in my childhood. I mean, we've all been there. Yeah. Okay, so John Simon Ritchie then met John uh, Lydon in 73 at school. Now, John Lydon would eventually become uh, Johnny Rotten, mm -hmm. the lead singer of the Sex Pistols. So they had kind of like this romance thing going. Lydon described Sid as a Bowie fan, and he was very fashionable. As fucked up as Sid was the whole time, apparently he was like kind of a smart guy. Like I never caught that, but are you sure? Yeah. I mean, no, but <laughs> I'm not sure, but that's what they said on this documentary that we watched. Uh, what was the documentary that we're basing this off of? Who Killed Nancy Spoongin? Spongin. Spongin. Okay. Yeah. Some examples of how he was smart, like, apparently he wore a bunch of swastikas, right? And everybody thought he was just being super insensitive and stuff. But what he was doing was he was diluting the meaning of the swastika, right? So he was wearing that, and then, like, he was supposed to be saying, we're taking back this symbol and making it less... Bad. I don't. I, don't I, know. I I can't justify that. Tim, what do you think about that? Am I making any sense? No. no. <laughs> but I'm, that doesn't. I'm enjoying it. I'm totally enjoying it. Okay. It doesn't make no but, sense. But, but, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> I'm not totally enjoying it. Yeah. But like, in your opinion, like, so I kind of get what Aaron was getting at. Like, Sid's ideology was like through wearing like swastikas. It like took the meaning out of it because they were taking the symbol back. I don't agree with that. I think that's crazy thinking. And Maybe he was just on heroin the whole time, and he wasn't know he didn't know what he was wearing. That's also a possibility. <laughs> that might be also a that's possibility. Well, I mean, this brings us back to a core theme of the entire thing we're talking about tonight. It seems to me it's one of the early statements made in that documentary you were citing that we watched on YouTube. Mm -hmm. What's the title? It was called Who Murdered, Murdered Nancy Spoongin? Spoongin. Yeah, well, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of contemporaries of those people hanging out at that time. Yeah. And one of the first statements they decided to make that the editor probably quite logically put right up at the top of the whole documentary, mm -hmm. I wanted 32 minutes of it, <laughs> was, hey, these people are living in a stratospheric direct, experiential, shamanic, vegetable matrix of the Gaia situation, none of us can understand. Oh, until, yeah. Until you are a heroin addict in love with another heroin addict, staying in the Chelsea Hotel in mid-October. And it's like, this is not what, like, there's going to be situations on this podcast for you guys where there's going to be romances and crazy love stories that you can identify with. You might be able to put yourself in the shoes of those people. Mm -hmm. This is not one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not. You're yeah. not. So what we're talking about is almost like kind of like mythological figures. Like yeah. they're living on the same planet. They're on 23rd Street between 7th and 8th Avenue, but they're having a different experience than us. So <laughs> that's probably the first most important footnote to the whole tale. Yeah. I mean, unless we get into heroin. Uh, I'm good. You're good. Okay. Yeah, I'm all, all right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't need to do that to, you know, to just 
identify with this story, that would be the end. Like, sure. But, but, <laughs> it seems like but, a lot of sacrifice. Sure, <laughs> sure, we don't need to do heroin, but wouldn't that show how fucking committed we are to this podcast? I'm saying like, that's just like overly committing, I think. It may be, but wouldn't it, what, but how, how punk rock would that be if someone was like, dude, Aaron's fucking dead, and he's like, what happened? Well, he started a podcast, and he did a story where somebody did heroin, and to get into that mindset, he got addicted to heroin. I mean, that's commitment right there. That I is... would still call time out on the field of play. <laughs> I think a podcast is more supposed to be more of a hobby than, uh, than, than that kind of commitment. Well, yeah, 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 sure, maybe, but you're not going to succeed with that attitude. You got to get into it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, dude. There's no way I would get to heroin. I mean, I totally would, but not, not for that reason. It does look amazing, though. But I, don't do heroin. Um, but I also kind of want to, but I, I won't. You know, here's the thing about punk rock, and I was thinking about this while I was researching this. A lot of people say that punk rock has nothing to do... It has nothing to do with being addicted to drugs. It's about a statement, and it's about saying something to the world. And to an extent, I think that's true. But to another extent, I also think punk rock solely has to do with being addicted to heroin. Because if you're not addicted to heroin, then you still sort of give a shit. And that's not punk rock, dude. All right, all right. I, I, I see where you're going with that one. Like, you could you could say a lot of things about Sid and Nancy, but one thing you can't say is that they gave a fuck. They, <laughs> they did not care at all. And that's punk rock. Yeah, I won't disagree with that. They epitomize, like, the sort of punk rock sensibility that we all know and love. Yeah. All right, so let's keep on getting back with the story. Uh, right now, Sid just met John Lydon. Uh, Johnny Rodden. Johnny Rodden, future lead singer of the uh, Sex Pistols. They're in the late teens now, and they're squatting in London. And they would play music on the streets. And people would actually pay them to stop, which is a new <laughs> spin on that. Huh. I, I realize that your role in this whole this whole podcast is like, it's like cool and schizophrenic. <laughs> like, I love how, like, like, when you're the narrator, you have a certain tone of voice. And then when you become the Greek chorus, you have a certain tone of voice. Of course... It's a perfect opportunity for a Greek chorus to comment on this unfolding plot, which is like a new myth for our present age, for exactly. sure. Exactly. Sure. But when you are like commenting on it and when you're narrating on it, you're like two different people. It's like so strange. The narrator <laughs> and, and, and the narrator in you is like when you listen to it, like you stare, you scuffle, it's awkward. It's like you've got this high pitched to your throat. It's like you're so fucking weird. Like you're weird and re- you're weird and repressed. Like, it's weird. <laughs> Which is cool. I mean, I'm like, dude, I'm not judging you. Like, oh weird. really? Because it sounds like you're judging me a bit, a tiny bit. No, no, it's just two different characters. You're. Uh, uh, experiencing here. I mean, uh, excuse me if I'm interrupting you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I no, feel no, like no. I'm just clarifying something that's going on. This is why we. This is why we're having you on here, Tim. Yeah, I mean, it's really <laughs> interesting that you've chosen these two roles for yourself. You narrate and yet you comment all at once. It's yeah. like you don't see that every day. Well, I'm. I'm. It, the way you describe me is perfect. I'm. I'm pretty much schizophrenic. Anytime, or a Renaissance man. Or a Renaissance man. <laughs> You're having your own Renaissance, yeah. I guess. Yeah, like like it's the same way when I give tours, man. I'm just 
I don't sound like myself. Well, look, mad respect. I mean, mad respect. I like that you got two roles at once. Mm -hmm. It's just fascinating to watch you change tones in mid-sentence. This podcast is going to get nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Or really boring. I love love to hear control freaks moan. (laughs) We got sound bites for days, man. So, um... (laughs) Do you guys know how Sid Vicious got his name? Oh, I do not. Aaron, okay. can you please tell me? I will tell you. So, uh, Leiden had a hamster named Sid who actually bit John. And when I say John, I, I mean John Simone Ritchie, who was going to be Sid Vicious. Leiden's hamster bit John, and John said, Sid is vicious. And that's how he got his nickname. Teenagers. Uh, that uh, that that story seemed way cooler when I read it on Wikipedia. <laughs> in 1976, Sid joined a band called the Flower of Romance, um, and I'm pretty sure this band didn't really do anything. Their one claim to fame is that they made a song called "Belson Was a Gas," which is about uh, the concentration camp Belson. Just um, I don't know, just just really weird so a little bit about like Sid as a person apparently he did a lot of crazy shit he once threw a glass at a at a band he didn't like the person playing the band and that glass shattered and it blinded a girl uh he strangled a cat do you guys remember this in the documentary Mm -hmm. yeah 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 how fucked up was that yeah I mean that that isn't something that like a normal person would do no no Maybe a vicious person, but not a normal person. But, uh, shh. Uh, people described him as basically amoral. He wasn't a bad person, but he also didn't, like, have a, like, a steady compass, you know? A uh, ethical. Compass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Moral and ethical compass on that one. February 77, he joined the Sex Pistols. He was originally a fan, and basically, uh, the manager, Malcolm... Malcolm McLaren? Malcolm McLaren. Malcolm McLaren basically was like, this kid's a mess. And he could be the perfect front man for a band. So they got him in the band. He didn't even play. Yeah, he didn't even play bass. Yeah. Didn't even know how to play. Had no idea how to play. He's actually not even on the debut album, except for like two songs. Yeah, yeah. God, I mean, it's like your guy's description of the formation of the Sex Pistols reminds me of Mark Twain's description to his wife, like, one time, Mark Twain's wife was, like, freaking out, angry at the mirror. And Mark Twain turned to her and said, You've got the words, but you don't have the music. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are totally missing the point. Like, in the musicality and the tone of that time and place. Oh, yeah. What are you going to do? Like, do journalism from another century? That's what you're doing right now. It's a waste of time. <laughs> We're valid doing, point, valid point. We're doing our best. Yeah, we're trying to. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I like your guys. I like you guys. You got like a good VH1, like pop-up video, new generation thing. If you can find a place to land that. Otherwise, I don't know what the hell we're doing here. Well, we're talking about the death of Nancy Spongen. Spongen. So, uh, in January of 78, they did a U.S. tour, and that's where everything went to shit. Uh, their last show was in San Francisco, uh, and then... Sid went on a solo career, and by solo career, I basically mean he did heroin, and occasionally people put him up in front of a mic, and he made sounds with his mouth. Well, yeah, I mean, he did, like, a cover of uh, My Way yeah. that actually did, like, very well. Yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the victim here. 
And by the way, just because I don't know what the hell's going on here doesn't mean I know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Like, you guys could be looked, hooked into, like, 75,000 subscribers tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, I'm a multimillionaire because I'm sitting here. Like, yeah. that would be awesome. Like, you guys may well understand, like, uh, what podcasts are supposed to be that, I, that I'm not understanding. Sure. And to me, this seems like a great VH1. Uh, you guys could be doing this kind of pop-up videos thing. But, like... With Freud on the writing staff. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, yeah. you got Freud and Jung on the writing staff. You can go even Wait, deeper. Who's, than who's Freud and who's Jung? Psycho- uh, psychoanalytic. Psychotherapist. Uh, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like the VH1 pop-up videos, they'd be like, uh, uh, Rod Stewart was doing a video in this uh, parking lot in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And um, he was in his camper... And he didn't like the setup that the director did, so he refused to re- to leave his camper. Then from there, you could launch into a Jungian, Freudian understanding of why Rod Stewart mm-hmm. didn't leave his camper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is important. Yeah. I think that's as important as anything else. Like, what? those deeper psychoanalytical... But, like, that's kind of like what we're talking about here with Sid and Nancy, too. Like... Like, I think it's a great VH1 pop-up video, but, like, with those deeper psychoanalytical uh, turbulences that happen yeah. between people. It's very Strindbergian, really. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I'm not sure either. None of this conversation will be possible without August Strindberg, but I want to like, tire you like, guys out. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, If August Strindberg were on this mic right now, I'd be like, hey, guys, none of this would be possible without me. I'm sorry. Like, 80% of that rant went right over my head. But I do like the idea of a pop-up video. But the only, like, pop-up comment that would keep on going up would be, like, they're fucked up on heroin. And this picture, still fucked up on heroin. <laughs> this picture, hey, guess who's fucked up on heroin? Both of them. <laughs> on the way to the methadone clinic. Yeah. Um, all right, so wait, wait, wait. Are we talking about Nancy Spungen? Spungen, yes. Spungen. Nancy Spungen was born in 1958. Uh, in an upper middle class in Philly, which is interesting considering who she became. So when she was born, she was choked with her umbilical cord mm. and like almost died. And I feel like this explains a lot about Nancy. Sure. Because I feel like when when you have a traumatic brain injury like that, it could really lead you down the wrong path. And this is a perfect example of nature versus nurture here, right? Because on the one hand, you got Sid Vicious, who grew up in poverty with this crazy messed up mom. Bohemian mom. And and that's nurture right there. And this is nature. Like, her oxygen didn't get to her brain, and now she's into heroin. Wait, wait, wait. But since it was her mother's umbilical cord, do you think it has something to do with nurture in some sense? No, that's that's an outrageous (laughs) statement. That's an outrageous statement. Okay, a little bit about Nancy. Let's see. She was crazy. She was a crazy little kid. She threatened to kill her babysitter. She threatened to batter her psycho- uh, psychiatrist. At 11, she was expelled from public school. She was enrolled into like another um, school for special needs. Mm-hmm. Ended up running away at 14. At 15, was diagnosed with schizophrenia, which that's... um. One of the things I don't think anybody was surprised about. Okay, now this brings me to another, like, this is another, like, one of those synaptic moments, like, the way the synapses of the brain move. Like, okay. 
it's not necessarily logical, but mm-hmm. there yeah. is a, a an, an organic progression, a self-impelled movement mm-hmm. that has moved me to this to this recollection I'm having just from the other couple years ago. I had this amazing conversation with this planetary scientist. And the, play, the planetary scientist, he had a lot to say about all sorts of things planetary, science-wise. Mm-hmm. Sure. But <laughs> we also had this cool conversation that night. He said, look, you know, what we're calling sociopath or psychopathic brain. Yeah. There are different... He's like, he's a scientist. He's like, hey, maybe there's just different brains amongst us. Like, different animals have different species. Okay. Different bulldogs, you got different yeah. bulldogs, you have different kind yeah. of mastiffs, like... Yeah, yeah, you know, they okay, different kind okay. of brains, like psychopathic... Psych- and he was going on, I loved how he put it, he's like, look, if you look at the procession of human evolution, mm-hmm. these people that we're calling today sociopaths or psychopaths, yeah. they probably had an important place in where we are today. They were part of the story. Yeah. Like, maybe the psychopath was probably the first guy who understood how to run buffalo off a canyon. <laughs> right? Like, okay, like, man, in one place. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we wouldn't be here without, the, uh, w- without one or two people that had no fucking empathy for anybody. Right, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. He, this planetary scientist, really smart guy, saying to me, like, hey, the, the, what we're calling psychopath, sociopath, he or she has a seat in the parliament. Deserves the place in Congress yeah, and yeah. Did, has a vote because they were a big part of uh, sure. getting us to where we yeah. are today. And that these, like, this is a different kind of brain, mm-hmm. different kind of, like, Nancy Spongeon perhaps just represents uh, a, a different kind of yeah. brain, a different, the same kind of person that was big thinking when it came to early cave painting. Yeah. Uh, to help the, in the discovery of fire. I want, yeah. That, that that same kind of hyperbolic intelligence that was expanding along with a universe that knows no ends. And in a way, it's not for us to judge them, but they are bringing down our entire world. <laughs> tonight, right tonight, as we're talking, like they're bringing in. Oh, man. <laughs> Tim, I, I gotta say it. You know, you have a roundabout way of making a point, but when you make a point, it is solid. <laughs> that was some good shit. Right? Yeah. But you know, the thing about Nancy was she wouldn't have figured out how to uh, throw a buffalo off the cliff. She would figure out like how to like I don't know somehow like seduce did... a man to throw the buffalo off. The cliff. <laughs> like, like, like even she... more complicated maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not that she had. No empathy. She was just very self-destructive. I, I I guess so, but I feel like she was also manipulative. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, that's that's just the drugs, man. It's like yeah, it's like they don't said, blame like, the drugs on this one, man. I will. I will blame the drugs. I will blame the drugs. It's like that guy said in the documentary: if you're both heroin addicts and you got one bag to get straight, you're gonna murder someone you love. That's just that simple. Yeah, <laughs> when you put it in those terms, it does seem just that simple. Uh, I, I, I wish people could see this the way Tim nodded at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I could see that. <laughs> well, I mean, again, like, this is like, you're going to have stories on this podcast where you can identify with people and be in their shoes. Like, we cannot identify with these people. No, we can't. We're not in their shoes. Like, and to do so is to try to try to perform journalism in another century or, well, actually, in this case, in another uh, consciousness. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, be able, like, well, to be a journalist in their consciousness, to be a commentator on their CNN at that time. You know what? Speak for yourself. I took 30 Tudinol before I did this podcast. <laughs> Still awake and kicking. <laughs> and I stabbed someone, so I don't know what you guys are talking about. I know exactly where Sid was. All I did was watch a YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> you did some intense yeah. preparation. I That's didn't know because that. you don't have the commitment <laughs> it takes to have a successful podcast. If you're doing a story about someone who stabbed someone on heroin, you better better be on heroin <laughs> and stab a person. <laughs> despite, being, despite being this fucked up, she actually got into the University of Colorado. Uh, but, of course, she screwed everything up. She got caught buying weed. Uh, then she was arrested for having stolen property in her dorm room. And then she was banned from not only the university, but the state of Colorado. Good for you, oh. Nancy. How do you get banned from a whole state? I don't know, but it, isn't it awesome? It's a little awesome. That's punk rock as shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like punk rock is different for everyone. Like for me, I was listening to my headphones and one of them wasn't um, working. And I was like, I could get new headphones, but I'm not going to. Because that's fucking punk rock right there. <laughs> but she was like, I'm going to get banned from my state. <laughs> so I win. Uh, Look, I love that moment in Big Lebowski when he's like, she's like, he's like, he's a nihilist. A nihilist, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe in nothing, Lebowski. That must be exhausting. That must be exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I'll suck your cock for a hundred dollars. That was a that was a bad part of the movie to paraphrase. Anyway. Um, <laughs> She moved to New York at 17, supported herself with prostitution and stripping. I would be interested in finding out the clubs that hired her. Uh, had a real I-don't-give-a-fuck attitude. Called by the press nauseating Nancy, because apparently she was uh, nauseating. The thing is, like, in this documentary, everybody that they interview in this documentary are her, like, really good friends. These are her friends, and all of them were like, yeah, she was gross. Like, <laughs> like she was terrible. Yeah. They always talk about like how her voice was just like, you'd hear like this whining from like across the house. Yeah. She was basically, what happened is she would get in these clicks and then she would do something so every person in the click would turn on her. And it, that's what she seemed like she did like her entire life. She did in New York, then she moved to London and she did in London. Mm-hmm. In 1976, she moves to London to basically go after this guy named uh, Jerry Nolan from the Heartbreakers. Yeah, and I guess the Heartbreakers, from what the thing was saying, were notorious for like bringing uh, heroin from the United States into the UK like punk rock scene. Yes. She met the Sex Pistols instead. She first went after Johnny Rodden, but he was like, no, I'm cool. And then uh, she met up with Sid. So, let's talk about a little bit about the relationship they had. They met in London in 1977. Uh, Sid was very shy. Nancy was very outgoing. I feel like 
uh, Nancy basically took Sid under her wing and basically taught him a lot about sex and drugs, turned him on the heroin. The rest of the Sex Pistols basically hated her. She got banned from the tour in 1978 when they went to the U.S. Yeah, they did not want her there. No. Whatsoever. No. She was Sid's first and only love. He had this exterior, but like in the inside, he was just like this shy kind of not very confident guy, I think. Yeah, and there was even speculation that he was a virgin before Nancy. Mm Mm-hmm. And basically what happened was I feel like Sid was on this road and then she he met Nancy in that road. Wait, my this analogy sucks. Sid was in a car and um, <laughs> Nancy got into the car and the car accelerated and the car was basically going to a brick wall. And Nancy always said that she would die before she's 21. So uh, let's talk about uh, October 12th, 1978. Okay. That's the night that Nancy died. Uh August 24, 1978, Sid and Nancy moved to the Chelsea Hotel, room 100. Now, the Chelsea Hotel. Oh, yeah. Chelsea Hotel. It's quite a historic landmark. Tim, can you weigh in on the importance of the Chelsea Hotel? Yeah. Uh, It's amazing tonight. Like, the Chelsea Hotel looks so much like the uh, Mary, like a lobby of the Marriott Courtyard. Sure. <laughs> and I don't even just mean a Marriott. I mean like a Marriott Courtyard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this dirtbag hotel, but all these famous people stayed there. Bob Dylan, Patti Smith, Jackson pa- Pollock, who um, liked to splatter paint on things. <laughs> uh, do you know who else? Uh, think- uh, Basquiat stayed there, right? Oh, and talk about... I don't know. Who's that? He's another painter. Okay, right on. Good for you, Nick. <laughs> just what? And be like, whoops, I went to art school. <laughs> Excellent. High five. Yeah, yeah. Up top. <laughs> Why don't you just talk about people? I don't know. Okay. Um, I don't know. Who else? There are probably some more people, right, Tim? Yeah, yeah. I know. It's amazing. Like... Uh, to walk around the Chelsea tonight, like they've got, um, you know that that transparent tarp they put along hallways when they're gutting a place. Mm-hmm. Like the whole Chelsea hotels like that tonight. Entire yeah. hotel rooms that you walk into like gutted, like just even like, room one hundred. Uh, I haven't been in room one hundred, but like there's there are those who have stayed in a Chelsea hotel that are experiencing their own uh, coup d'état against the current management. That are preserving some of the original apartments. One of them um, is uh, like uh, where Salvador Dali used to stay, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, Janet Joplin's apartment uh, is preserved. Uh, you, you get some preservations. Well, but I- for the most part, it is incredible. Like you walk down that uh, that I can't explain that kind of tarp, like like those long tarps along the hallway, and everything's gutted. And the lobby looks like a Marriott Courtyard. Not a Marriott. A Marriott Marriott Courtyard. courtyard. Yes. Well, well, and one thing in the little documentary thing that we watched, you know, kind of pointed out the aesthetic of the uh, Chelsea Hotel where, like, basically they let you do whatever you want. If you wanted to paint your room every month a different color, you could, and you could make it as nice as you wanted, or you could live in squalor. They didn't really give a fuck. They didn't do anything. And uh, The original curator uh, who has retired because... Andy Warhol gave him two pieces. He's retired based on the sale of those two pieces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Uh, and Under your name. Oh, okay. okay. Here, uh, let's pause then. 
okay. I'll be, I will be freaking fascinated because I want to reiterate, like, I'm new to podcasts myself, so mm-hmm. I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Also, I see a lot of potential with this beyond podcasts, but I might be naive. We're going to take over the fucking world, Tim. Yeah, we got this, man. The three of us. Yeah. Yep, new world order. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Um, and now we're back. Now we're back? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did we get the whole new world order thing? Oh, yeah, we all got right, it. Okay. So, I, I think that was an ornate way of you saying you were wasting my time. <laughs> no, no, no. Which is totally fine. I'm, yeah. Look, my time gets wasted by corporations and by other... All the time. Like, I'm what, used to... Yeah, like, what did you rather... You know, at, at, <laughs> at least you're having fun with the with the time we're wasting like, I, look, for I it. like you guys. Like, I just say, like, let's just hang out without a microphone sometime. Yeah, totally. That's yeah, I'm down. I'm down. That's like a real organic, artistic expression happens from hanging out. Well, well, Not just by putting a microphone out in front and saying, oh, this is our reason for hanging out. If you really want to have an organic community of artists and create something yeah. beautiful and useful to the world, you start by having a real friendship and like yeah. hanging out, like getting well, to know each other. And then well, you're like, oh, yeah. we should put a mic, because our conversations are so ebullient and cool, we should put a microphone in front of it. Like, not, not the other way around. I think this is really inorganic and weird, and I want to go on the record on that. As control freaks, I'm sure you will edit that out, but I want to make sure, like, somewhere in we the future... We probably won't, some, actually. Some 16-year-old <laughs> in the future will hear, like, yes, yeah, so you're like, come on. Awkwardness is cool. It's when something's really happening. This is actually f- fucking fascinating. I'm, 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 <laughs> but, but, you know, Tim, you know, we're friends, right? It's not like I just asked you here. You you consider us friends, right? Absolutely. Yeah, well, well see, so it's like we already we're have... We're friends a, at work, which, I mean, we're still getting to know each other. Yeah, but we have a rapport. It's not like... Yeah, but like, just, like this is a situation like you guys have nine episodes before this. Mm-hmm. To me, as an artist, it's... You know, like. To introduce me or to invite me to participate without any exposition or backstory about the podcast or sharing with me other expert excerpts of it, you know, that's inorganic. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It reeks of controlism mm-hmm. and know it allism. It, uh, it doesn't reek of collaboration. Now, I only say this because I've been a collaborationist for years and years. I've yes. got great collaborationists because I'm so cool. Well, because I'm so into collaboration. Yeah. I'm only speaking on behalf of collaboration, not myself. Cool. I love you guys. I want to collaborate. Let's really collaborate. Let's really do it. That's what I'm trying to say. Sure. All right, cool. Not yeah. the cynical, uh, aloof, like, misquoting moments of uh, Bill, Big Lebowski that make me look awkward and weird that have nothing to do with the real present tense that we're sharing. Let's really converse. All right, interesting. Uh, you, what if we, like, what if we just... We put all of this out, like the what you just said and our reaction to it. Would, sure. You, would you feel like that? Would you? Would that be something you would be behind? I would recommend putting none of it out and starting all over again and getting to know each other. Oof, that's tough. <laughs> that's what I recommend. Okay. If you edit this part out, then you really are dishonest. We're not going to. Yeah, no, we're going to keep no, it in there. No, yeah. We should get to know each other before you put anything like this out. Okay. This is completely inorganic and kind of, I feel, ganged up upon because you guys didn't even give me any kind of preparation about what we're doing here. And once we're here, you misquote things, trying to make me feel weird. Like, you're just trying to kind of send me there. That's not real that's collaboration. Not, we didn't mean to make you yeah, feel like we, that. Oh, yeah, but we, that, that's clearly the intent. And again, if you edit this out, you're not being honest. Okay. 
Do you want to keep on going? Or? I don't know what else there is to be said. I mean, we've kind of covered this story. Is there a conclusion you want to reach? Yeah, I have yeah. like yeah, a there's bunch a, of more there, stuff. There's please, a bunch please, more stuff. Please. But, uh, okay, so uh, the night of October 11th, 1978, we're in the Chelsea Hotel. There was a lot of visitors. People came in and out of the room. Nancy and Sid had no heroin, so they were looking to cop. Oh, shit. So that was their big thing. And Sid uh, took 30 Tudinol. Tudinol. Tudinol, which is a barbiturate. I know we visited with this fact a couple of times, haven't we? Yeah, but we weren't recording when we did that. You sure? Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't keep track of when we were recording, but it seems repetitious. Okay. Let, let's just power through and get through the rest of this. <laughs> Uh, people thought he was fucking dead. Uh, 2.30 a.m. I want to say I'm not powering through it. I enjoy the awkwardness of control freaks not in control. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so, 2.30 a.m., Nancy asked Rocket's Red Glare to get some diludentus. I'm, I'm savoring this. Yes. I'm savoring this right now. Which is an opiate. Uh, 7.30 a.m., uh... Uh, so that would happen at 2.30 a.m. Sure. 7.30 a.m., there was uh, female moans were heard by guests, hmm. which is sometimes good, sometimes not good. In this case, not good. Not good. Uh, 10 a.m., Sid calls down to the front desk asking for help. Nancy had suffered a single stab wound to the stomach, bled to death in the bathroom. It took her three hours to die. So. Which is... Weird. Why? If it took her that long, why wouldn't she get out of the apartment? Well, it might have been like, you know, Delauded's like super strong. Yeah. You know, they gave me that, like, pulled my wisdom teeth and it was like a surgical endeavor. You know, they didn't put me under the anesthesia. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things. It's like that thing Michael Jackson used to eat to go to sleep. Prepare the pit bed. Yeah. Yeah, that one. (laughs) It's some type of weird anesthetic. The knife... That was thought was used, uh, was bought by Sid. Uh, there were three mattresses in the room. One of them had a blood print on them, but not the one Sid was sleeping on, which was interesting. And, uh, oh, this is really, really interesting. The knife found in plain sight on the suitcase was wiped clean of prints and blood. All right, so this brings up a really interesting point. Like, if Sid was able to wake up from this fucking coma he was in, stab Nazi, and then wipe off the murder weapon. Why wouldn't he just hide the murder weapon completely? It doesn't make any sense, you mm-hmm. know? And also, like, being on the 30... Uh, Tutanol. 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 Apparently, yeah. that would kill, like, anybody. Mm-hmm. They said that would kill most people. Alright, so, aftermath. Uh, basically, what happened was the police had to slap Sid around to wake him up. Uh, his following statement was full of contradictions. One, didn't know what happened. Two, then he confessed. Three, said it was an accident. Four, uh, said when he found her, she was still breathing. Went to the methadone early. Came back. Called the police. So, just all over the place. Um, Sid was clearly, obviously, arrested for the murder of Nancy. Uh, so he's he's in big trouble. Mm-hmm. October 22nd, Sid attempts suicide. 
He also tried jumping out of a window saying, I want to be with my Nancy. <laughs> Which is exactly what he sounded like. Yep. Right? Yeah, that was a spot I want, I want to. All right, I'm going to stop. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, I will never make that accent again. I'm sorry. Okay, so he bails out. He goes to this club and some dude starts messing with him. Uh, and being said vicious... He takes a glass and he said, this is going to go in your face. And he smashes it in his face. Turned out that dude was Todd Smith, brother of Patty Smith. Whoops. Yep. So he goes back to jail on December 9th, February 1st. Oh, well, he also goes to Rikers. And yeah, he goes. he goes to Rikers and goes through like forced uh, drug rehab. Yeah. Uh, February 1st, 1979. He makes bail and is released to the custody of his mother and his new girlfriend. Yeah, by the way, where did this new girlfriend come from in the whole time of the murder, him being in jail, and him being in rehab? The guy's a player. Uh, I guess so, man. That's a player. Player's got to play, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't think <laughs> I could never get a girlfriend. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's just the fucking luck of some. And you know what? Like, and I saw pictures of this girl, and I was like, "Damn, she's cute." Cuter than uh, Nancy? Well, every, I think everyone's cuter than Nancy. Yeah, Nancy was kind of busted. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? Like, I see pictures of Nancy, and I was like, maybe she was gross, but the pictures, she doesn't look that bad. She doesn't look bad. Yeah. Do uh, you think she's? Uh, Courtney Love is a reincarnation of, of Nancy Spooch. <laughs> oh, shit. Never yeah. even considered that. How could you never really consider that? <laughs> <laughs> They're fucking the same person. <laughs> well, one's alive and one's dead. You know what's weird? Huh. Is like... Nancy Spooch and Sid Vicious, Courtney Love, Kurt Cobain, same fucking couple, except the reverse of the couple's die. And as far as, like, Sid Vicious goes, it's Nancy who dies. As far as Courtney Love goes, it's Kurt that dies. But was Kurt, like, the Nancy Spongin of the situation? Uh, yeah, I don't... Oof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a my, can of worms my, right my, there. My head hurts. <laughs> you know, and there's this interesting documentary called uh, "Some Clean with Bleach. Something about bleach. But it's about possibly Courtney Love killing Kurt Cobain. See, Which I, is another podcast we should do. Oh yeah, there that you go. That would be great. Yeah. Oh, we'll save that for episode twenty. Look for look, look <laughs> at me coming up with all these crazy ideas <laughs> on the fly. On the fly. <laughs> what am I a fucking genius? <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, no, I can't. I mean, I do want to reiterate. It's a great theme you guys got going. Like love, insanity, great theme. Good for you guys. Like that's a good hook. Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. I, I agree. Yeah, I appreciate that, Tim. Um, let's see. Where are we? Oh, February 1st, 1979. Ooh. Sid makes bail. He's released to the custody of his mother, Michelle Robinson, uh, his new girlfriend, and he wants to get high. So he gets his hand on some stuff that turns out to be 98% pure. Whew. Uh, had a party that night, and by party, I mean a couple people over. Did some heroin, passed out, came to, everyone left. Next morning, he was dead. And uh, ma his mom found a note that said, and I quote, We have a death pack. I had to keep up my end of the bargain. 
And that's all I wrote down in my notes. But there was more to it. And essentially it said, <laughs> we had a death pack. I had to kill myself. Bury me next to Nancy in my leather jacket and boots. And um, after that, the police basically closed Nancy's case. They were like, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, Sid murdered Nancy. And uh, <laughs> So, let's talk a little theories here. Yeah, yeah, let's go into the theory section. Yeah, then we're done. If Sid didn't die and it went to trial, could he have beaten the case? There's no prints on the knife. He was super fucked up. Nancy was suicidal. Uh, was the confession even admissible? You know, plus the underground punk scene was very dangerous at the time. So, like, there was plenty of dubious characters that could have uh, totally cut her. So, the yeah, Which dubious characters, you would say? Before we get into that... One theory is it was a botched double suicide. Sure. Nancy was suicidal. Uh, she could have called for help, but she just bled out. So, you know, maybe maybe there was some weird suicide pact that going on, and Nick just... Uh, not Nick. Hey, easy there. <laughs> Sorry. And Sid just got too fucked up, and he forgot to stab himself in the heart. You know? Oh, I, I knew I forgot something, because I'm thinking right now, which means I'm alive. Second theory is this guy named Rocket's Red Glare, who was like kind of a fixture at on the uh, underground scene. Yeah, he was... Uh, one quote I saw is that he was a... What was it? Secret celebrity? Or something like that? He was like famous in these underground circles, and he was known as a like big uh, tour type person and like a great storyteller. Yeah. He was a comic. Um, well, yeah, he became a comic later. Yeah. But, but he was also Sid's bodyguard. Yeah. From time to time. Yeah. Did you know of this guy, Tim? You ever... Rocket, Rocket's Red Glare? Yeah. No. Hmm. Yeah, he was in Big. Yeah, he was in Big, and he was in uh, Stranger uh, Than Paradise. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of other movies, actually. I was looking at his IMDb. It was crazy. Yeah. And there was this guy named Phil Strongman who wrote a book about the death of Nancy Spongin. And basically, Rocket's <laughs> Red Glare confessed in January 78 to a bunch of people in CBGBs that he killed Nancy, and he actually produced a bunch of blood-stained bills. That did happen, but also, you gotta consider the people Yeah, consider the source yeah, of I all bet this a bunch of I bet a bunch of people in that circle were just so fucked up. I bet, like, half of them confessed to Nancy's murder. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You know, as like a badge of honor or something to the effect of that, even. <laughs> you stand Nazi spoonjin, so did I. <laughs> you know, let's do heroin together. <laughs> and then finally, there was a guy named Michael. Oh, yes. There were witnesses that saw this guy named Michael, who had kind of like a Bee Gees style haircut that was like hanging out in the room all night. And he no was one. Was super flamboyant. Super flamboyant, yes. No one could really identify this guy, but a lot of people think he's the one who did it. He was just like a super weird dude. No one could identify him. He actually, I remember in the documentary, they, someone said like he went up to a bunch of people and was like, Sid just killed Nancy. But what was weird was he had all her money. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and like uh, I was going to enter into the equation in Malcolm McLaren's article that he wrote for the New Yorker years later, which is an amazing article that I recommend. Uh, beautifully written, and uh, uh, it's uh, it doesn't it doesn't contradict a lot of the 
you know, different scenarios we've been discussing tonight. It just talks about how he... And, you know, we should remember, Malcolm McLaren had his own megalomaniacal kind of attitude towards the Sex Pistols. He considered himself to be the inventor of the entire... Punk rock ...artistic... Well, he the inventor of the Sex Pistols. Um, there were multiple, uh, you know, major, very, very cool documentaries made in which, you know, Johnny Rotten was saying, like, you know, Malcolm McLaren did not invent the Sex Pistols. It was mm-hmm. a self-impelled movement. The New Yorker uh, article, uh, my Malcolm McLaren is fascinating and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Sardonic. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Like, the mantra at the center of his article is uh, I don't trust mothers. <laughs> Which is a kind of a mantra of the punk movement you guys are mocking tonight. But like, uh, Malcolm McLaren was <laughs> like, hey, you know, like, uh, he picked up Sid Vicious's mom at the airport at, La- at LaGuardia when she decided to come in. He said that he felt that he himself felt a deep, dark, I mean, I guess kind of a Darth Vader and that was his comment at the time and this guy Malcolm McLaren I mean again I mean it's all like all these characters are so impact players in this scenario yeah like it's crazy to do journalism in another century let alone another decade which this is kind of another century and another decade yeah to try to figure out how Malcolm McLaren the guy who declared himself the inventor of the Sex Pistols had such a deep reverence for Sid Vicious just as a human being. Mm-hmm. Loved him. Yeah. Was trying to protect him as a man, as a person. Yeah. Uh, in the article, uh, Malcolm McLaren says, um, Sid Vicious never saw a red light in his life. It was sense. all green. It was yeah. all green. Yeah. All yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he loves Sid Vicious just as, as a man in, in an altruistic sense. And he was trying to protect him. And he... Malcolm McLaren met with all the great defense attorneys of Manhattan at that time, trying to find a good lawyer to protect uh, Sid Vicious. And um, right in the middle of his mission, all that occurred when Sid Vicious was no longer. But when when Sid Vicious met, he went to the LaGuardia to to meet Sid Vicious' mom at the airport. Mm -hmm. And he said, quote, I don't trust mothers. <laughs> and that's yeah. another important footnote to add to the equation. Yeah. But what you guys are doing is the crazy attempt to journalize in another century, mm-hmm. another decade. That decade might as well be another century. Yeah. And what you're doing is more like a VH1 pop-up video editorial of this new myth that we're all mythologic. Mythologizing. Thank you. Mythologizing? Thank you for helping me with that. Well, I, I didn't <laughs> help you. I, I did not help you. No, what I said was very wrong. It's a, but it's a complicated <laughs> ING. Yeah. Yeah. In case, yeah. And that's, that's what we're really doing here. And I'm, I'm really excited about our collaboration if we think on a big level and not just on a lower uh, chakra gossip level about this story. This story is a new myth. It deserves to be discussed. These people now, Sid and Nancy, mm-hmm. they are the uh, 
the Zeus and the Clytemestra of our time, you know. And that's the, exactly and that's what we're what really I discussing. When I said, yeah, when I when I I was like that that girl's the Clytemestra. I'm I, I'm joking. I don't know who that is. Who's Clytemestra? She's got a Latin common with Nancy. Tim, Tim, um, you were talking about how Malcolm like loved Sid. Yeah. But don't you feel in a certain way he he kind of used Sid? Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to exclude. I mean, again, like the complex. I mean, I'm a dramatic writing major. Like, I I was a playwriting major. Like. What we do is, like, it's so much fun to examine the contradictory motivations in any human being. Mm-hmm. Malcolm McLaren was a megalomaniac who viewed the sex pistols as his own creation. And deciding that, mm-hmm. Sid Vicious is one of his characters. He's got an Ionesco or a, a deep, uh, absurdist, uh, auteur view of Sid Vicious and he really did apparently according to that article yeah. he went out of his way to really try to find the best defense attorney for, for Sid at that time and Yeah. so as much as he might have thought of himself as the creator of the Sex Pistols he had a really human connection sure. to Sid and he yeah. was really worried about Sid being in jail for the rest of his life yeah. which he was Truly facing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can I comment on something yeah, yeah. regarding the yeah. uh, like jail and bail and everything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It is rumored that Mick Jagger was the one that paid Sid Vicious's bail. Oh no, lawyer. No, I heard, it, lawyer. I heard bail. Twenty five thousand dollar bail. Okay. I mean, like, with all these articles and, like, we were talking about earlier, like, there's so many different stories because everyone was on drugs. You read all these different stories and everyone has, like, a slightly different version on how everything turned out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and it's like little details like that I feel like get mixed up. Like, I remember reading Lawyer. You probably read Bale. And then, like, maybe there's another article out there that's like, you know, Mick Jagger was Sid Vicious's father. It's just crazy. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just all these weird... S- Sid Jagger. Sid, Sid Jagger. I know, but the, the other thing is that all the different confusion of this anecdote doesn't even compare to the dysfunction of our executive branch tonight. So I'm not even, I'm not even sure what we're talking about. Like, in a way, we should be talking about our executive branch tonight which makes this punk situation look like wimps. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I feel you, but yeah, yeah, let, 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 let's talk at contemporary uh, political tonight. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Matt, I think that's uh, that's about it. Guys. I think we hit it. I think I we got it. Like it. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I think we got it, man. Timothy, I th- do you want to plug anything? Look, I'm sorry for the awkwardness, ness, 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 no, ness tonight. No, no, no. But but I just want to say, like, I grew up on punk rock, and that is punk rock, and I don't mind voicing my own serious opinions about what you guys are working on. Oh, it's cool. Sure, we, we but... Enjoyed your, yeah. We enjoyed your opinions. We yeah, really did. Uh, we really yeah, yeah. did. Uh, do you have, like, a Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or anything, website that you want to plug, any books that you have coming out or anything like that? Absolutely not. <laughs> That's Absolutely fucking not. punk rock. That's punk rock. I have nothing. <laughs> uh, I will be underground soon, like Sid, and I'm yeah. fine with it. <laughs> I would try, like, remember when they asked Sid, like, where do you want to be? And he said, underground. Yeah. 
He's like, yeah, I'm right behind no, Sid. The, the guy goes, uh, what, what are you looking for? And he goes, I'm just looking for fun. And then the guy's like, are you having fun now? And the guy's like, are you fucking kidding me? It was an interesting interview. Are you having fun at the moment? Are you kidding? Oh, I'm not having fun at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I wanted to um, thank our sponsors which is Beautyland on Newark <laughs> Ave in uh, Jersey. If you need a wig, did you did you stab your girlfriend on heroin? That you need to get out of the country? Are you worried that people will see you and know who you are? Go to Beautyland because and get a wig so so you can get away with stabbing your girlfriend on heroin. Getting wiggy with it. No, 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 no. Oh, you just ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, here, I guess I'll plug our stuff right quick. Yeah, sure. All right, cool. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. All love is amazing. Uh, go to our website, loveisamazing.com. Uh, like us on Facebook if you want. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, too. It's kind of cool because you can leave comments like amongst the whole thing so we can get realistic feedback. Mm-hmm. And I will. <laughs> <laughs> Joyously, I will contribute. Yeah, yeah. It's like time-coded comments, so it, it really helps us out a lot. I, I and feel like you're my joker for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I just met an arch enemy. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm Nikki Luna. Uh, I'm Aaron Black. Uh, I'm Speed Levitch. Yes. Speed Levitch. Speed Levitch. And, uh, yeah, this is Love Spe- is Amazing. Love is Amazing, but it's also bullshit and can get you murdered. All right, peace. Love is amazing, but it's also bullshit, and it might also get you murdered.